0: Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Royals. You can email the show, Locked on Royals at gmail.com. On today's show, We're going to take some of your Reddit questions from the Reddit mailbag. They include a wide range of topics from Dayton Moore to Salvador Perez and so much more. We start on today's show with the lead question being from user XEARACAS. They ask, how much longer does Dayton Moore remain the Royals GM? Uh, I, I don't really exactly know what you're going to be going with here. You know, are, are you asking if he's ever going to get fired or are you saying that he might take another job within baseball? Uh, I, I think that neither are going to happen. I, like I think that he has such a long leash from those world series that he'll never be fired in Kansas city. He, he can have this job for as long as he wants. He's well-respected not only within this organization, but within baseball, uh, he, he's going to live off those two world series runs for the rest of his career. And so as long as he wants to be the Royals GM, he's going to be able to be the Royals GM. I wonder the next time that the Braves job comes open, if maybe he'd want that job. But other than that, there's not really a clear path for him to leave Kansas City. I think that the Braves job would be the only job that's better than Kansas City that would even want him. You know, like other jobs might come open. You know, if the Yankees came open, they're not exactly going to beat down Dayton Moore's door. But if the Braves came open, the Braves would think about bringing back Dayton Moore uh, more than another club would. So I think that maybe the Braves could be someone who who takes him away. And beyond that, it seems like you have the next commissioner lined up whenever the guy leaves the Cubs to go join the uh, MLB front office. It seems like this is just where Dayton Moore is going to be, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. We'll see how... His drafts have gone. You know, this is about to be time to start evaluating some of those prospects as they get called up here. I mean, you're on the cusp of having, uh, you know, of course, Brady Singer and Bubba already there, but on the cusp of having Asa Lacy up there, and uh, eventually having Jackson Coard up there, Daniel Lynch up there, all these guys who are ranked in the top 100 prospects. Bobby Witt Jr., you know, they're not too far away from being called up. Now, who knows if it's going to be this year, but you know, eventually you're going to start to see what comes of this draft class in these last couple of draft classes and how the, the the Royals can turn the corner. So I don't see a path for him not to be the Royals GM. I just don't see it around baseball in general, much less with Kansas City firing him, which I think will never happen. So the answer is for as long as he wants to be the Royals GM, he will be the Royals GM. Uh, the next one from Guitar Dad 1989 should Alex Gordon's number be retired? Now, given the fact that your username is... Guitar Dad, and it says 1989. I assume that you know that kind of era is around uh, either where you were born or, or you know kind of the prime of your uh, of your you know, baseball fandom, which I think is most people's youth is whenever you're the biggest fan. Uh, so I assume you have a lot more experience uh, in Rose baseball than me, who is 23 years old. Uh, but I answer this question with a yes. And I say that understanding that somebody like you—and this is why I set that up—someone like you who who was around for the golden era of Royals baseball, who was around for an era that was even better than 2014 and 15, you've probably seen much greater players in Kansas City than Alex Gordon. Uh, I, I don't even think that Alex Gordon is that great, uh, of like an all-time great in baseball terms. But for Kansas City and for this generation. He's the best we've had. He's the best that we've gotten to see as our collective generation and as you start to remember those 2015 and 2014 teams. you know Gordo's it. Gordo's the staple. The hometown kid that dealt with adversity, that revamps his career, turns into one of the best outfielders we've ever seen uh, You know in Kansas City. And although he was never the, quite the all-around player, that, that you would want. You know, he had a couple seasons with the bat that were pretty nice, but all in all, again, when you compare it to his generation, you compare it to what we know as Kansas city fans, you know, being the younger demographic of Kansas city fans, you know, he is the very best and you're going to have to retire somebody's number from this run. It's just going to happen. And I don't think it's learns. Okay. I don't think it's i Escobar. I don't think it's Mike Moustakas. I don't think it's Eric Cosmer. And so you're left then with Salvi, Ned Yost, and Alex Gordon. And I think that all three of those guys could realistically see their jerseys retired in Kansas city. now the process for doing so will be interesting. Uh, You know, what will the mindset be of of the decision makers at that point in time, a few years down the line from now, Now, obviously he's a Royals Hall of Fame member. So that's a good start to getting your jersey retired, but not every Hall of Fame member gets their jersey retired. So all in all, my final verdict is yes, uh, but understanding that you know don't come after me because you've seen much better players in Kansas City that don't have their jersey retired. I fully understand that. I'm just saying that for this generation you have to take that into account of this is our, this is this is our generation's George Brett for as sad as that is, it's true. You know of course George Brett was was 50 million times the player that Alex Gordon ever was, but Whenever the younger Royals fans think about Alex Gordon and think about Royals baseball, they think about Alex Gordon. They think about the diving catches. They think about throwing guys out at home. They think about all that stuff, you know, the World Series home run. So when you put his career, his accomplishments in the field, his big moments, you know, in, in telling the story of this franchise, he, he's he's in the pantheon. He's in the pantheon, and and he is going to have his jersey retired. I think. I think that you will soon see that nobody will wear a number four in Kansas City ever again. And it's probably well-deserved. I think that th- this should be it. But but really, him and, and Salvi are the only two players that I think have a chance because I do think that both those guys will play their entire career here. We've seen that Gordo has played his entire career here. Uh, but the next question leads us right into this. Uh, Phil Dalsam asks, what would you consider a good deal for Salvi, in your opinion, and what is the strategy for preserving his health long-term in this extension? And and so, this is a good question. I understand the question, uh, you know, in the sense of you know why you're concerned about his long-term health, because you know he's a catcher and he has been banged up, you know, in his career, and he's he's been known for taking beatings behind the plate. Remember in the playoffs, it felt like every single game, Salvador Perez was dealing with a concussion and and like was just always susceptible to getting hit with the backswing, and you know that's going to take a toll on him eventually. Uh, I, I think that you know, you shouldn't quite worry about his long-term health because, you know, as he gets older and older, and look, he's not even at the age of James McCann yet. And James McCann, who is two years older than Salvi, just signed a $40 million deal over the next four years. So I think that, you know, a five-year, six-year deal for Salvi worth $50 million or $60 million would be a reasonable contract. And I think that's something that he would probably sign, and I, again, I'm not worried so much about the usage moving forward because of the fact that I, I believe within that contract, within that range of the contract that you just signed the extension to with Salvi, you know, within that range, you're going to see automatic strike zones. I think, which will help the catcher. I mean, at that point, the catcher can stand as far away from the batter to where he avoids a lot of those foul tips and back swings because the strike zone's automatic whenever it crosses the plate. A robo-ump does it all, and you don't need to frame the pitch at all. And so you can just take a few, you know, inches back to avoid all of that contact, and that saves your body a little bit. Uh, I think that first base is actually a realistic option. Uh, not long-term, not every single day, but, you know, over there once a week, twice a week, that does that goes a long way. You know, Jorge Soler right now is really taking up that DH spot, but you could see the Royals start to transition their roster construction into a way where the DH becomes a revolving door and becomes a place where you go and get guys rest once or twice or three times a week, and Salve will be a good candidate for that. So not as concerned with you know his injuries. I know that he's had an injury history. You know A lot of it was some fluky stuff. I mean, you can't help your arm going out with Tommy John. You can't help tripping over, you know your bags after coming back from spring training. That's just kind of a fluke thing uh, that you know goes beyond your control. Then who knows what happened with the blurry vision? Salvi even said to the media that he doesn't know what happened with the blurry vision. He thought that maybe it was a side effect of COVID, but it's no longer bothering him. So all in all, I think that there's nothing to re- really worry about with Salvi long term. the The bigger question for me is: Does Salvi repeat at the plate what he did last year? And last year he was phenomenal at the plate. I mean, I mean, he was just spectacular. He was an MVP candidate last year, albeit in a shortened season. And for him, an even shorter season because of the 60 games, he only played in 37 because of that blurry vision and going on the IL. But whenever you look at him, he's a free agent in 2022 right now. He's just now 30, of course, in may, he'll be 31, but he's 31 years old, still younger than McCann, who just signed a $40 million deal in that ballpark is perfectly fine for Perez especially if he can continue to hit the way that he did a year ago. I do want to tell you about our good friends over at Bilt Bar. Built Bars is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Built bars are phenomenal. They're a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, get 20% off your next order. They have caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They are great for a health conscious person to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They are great for the keto diet. They have low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Uh, great for the health conscious person to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. You can use them pre-workout, post-workout, or even as a meal replacement. They're just that filling and just that good. Check them out. Beltbar.com Promo code locked on 20% off your next order. I also want to tell you about our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. 20 years ago, you probably didn't know how to type an email. I mean, you were probably on Hotmail. You had dial-up internet service. It was a disaster really 20 years ago on the internet. I mean, the internet was just a wild west of crap. 20 years ago. Not that it's that much better now, but at least it's high speed and it doesn't shut off every time the phone rings. Anyway, you could have been going to rockauto.com all that time ago and you can do it right now. Go to rockauto.com for all the parts your car will ever need. They have an amazing selection reliably low prices. I love rockauto.com cuz I know nothing about cars and I don't have to know anything about cars because I can put my make, my model, my year into their fantastic database on their fantastic website, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. That way, I never spend money and never purchase a part I cannot use on my car. They're fantastic. To so them Lockdown on you in the How Did You Hear About This box, and they'll know what to do from there. RockAuto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices of the parts your car will ever need, RockAuto.com. Get more of the sport news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski of Locked On Today, breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with the sport news that matters the most in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today, wherever you get your podcast from. Also, subscribe to Locked On Royals, wherever you get your podcast from. This is the only daily podcast about the Kansas City Royals. But right now, we're at three shows a week as we ramp up for the start of the next season. We'll be back to five shows a week next month. So, Get prepared for that. We're gonna continue on with the Reddit mailbag, and we're gonna to go to the next question from Derp Sauce. They say, "Hey, Rylan, I love the show. Daily listener here. What should we look forward to in spring training and keep an eye on?" Uh, first of all, th- first off, thank you for liking the show and listening every single day. That really helps. All the listeners are, fr- are fantastic. Every single one of you are great. The very best listener, though. It's the listener that happens daily, so thank you very much, uh, Derp Sauce. Uh, for spring training, I am very fascinated with the outfield, um, uh, and we'll get to this in a second with another question. But with the outfield, I think that that's what's most up in the air right now. I think that the infield is pretty well set off. I think that for the most part, your starting five is set, and I think that for the most part, your bullpen set. You know, of course, there's going to be some you know, swing, you know, swing spots in the bullpen where you can go either way. But the back end of your bullpen, what really counts, and then your starting five in the rotation. They're both set. Your infield is all but set. And then the outfield has a lot of variables. So keeping an eye on the outfield will be a big deal. We're going to have a whole spring training preview show, I promise you. But to give you some quick, you know, quick hitters and to give you something to look for, I am fascinated by Kyle Isbell. Kyle Isbell had a phenomenal spring training 1.0 and 2.0 last year. And I want to see if he can continue that in Surprise, Arizona here at the end of the month. So watch out for Kyle Kyle Isbell. I think that Kyle Isbell and Khalil Lee can really take this organization by storm, and one of them or both of them can have that Brady Singer effect. Like where Brady Singer last year, he was a fun story. He was a, you you know, you knew you wanted to watch him entering spring training. You knew that all eyes would be on him. But what you did not know was that he would go to spring training and steal a spot and just take a spot from his opposition and and take a spot on this team to where Kansas City did not even manipulate service time. They just went ahead and called him up. And I understand that by the time the season got started, the team was dealing with COVID and they were dealing with injuries, but going back to spring training 1.0, it was a legitimate conversation every single day. Well, should should the Royals actually just start the season with, with Singer? Even if that season started on time, it was a legitimate thought that Kansas City could proceed with Singer a part of the rotation to start the year. And, and so I think that Kyle Isbell or Khalil Lee can do the same thing with the outfield where they come into the year and people are looking for them, They're watching for them, They're taking note of them. And then all of a sudden at the middle of spring training, you start thinking to yourself that one of those two guys needs to be an everyday outfielder for you. And so that creates an interesting dynamic because the outfield has a, has a ton of people in it, you know, that can compete in only three spots. I mean, you look at, at Michael A. Taylor, you look at Khalil Lee, Kyle Isbell, Edward Livieres Frenchy Cordero. What do you do with Whit Merrifield? There's rumors of them signing Yassiel Puig. There's rumors of them trading for an outfielder from Pittsburgh. They have so many options in the outfield that I want to see what they can do. And so the outfield is what I'm going to be most paying attention to as spring training comes around. The last question from AF Colt. How does the infield look to play out this season? Where will Whit mostly play? So I think that if you want to operate under the assumption that the Royals are going to try to win this year, which is what Mike Matheny and what Dayton Moore has been selling you all offseason long. If you want to win this year, want to compete this year, want to play ball this year with the big boys and, and, and try to win every single game, to maximize this lineup, in my opinion, Whit Merrifield has to be second baseman. Like You have to have Whit Merrifield at second because if you don't, what happens there is if this team is still in love with playing Michael A. Taylor, which they seem to be, If that's the case, and you are going to play Michael A. Taylor, and you're also going to have Whit Merrifield in the outfield, what you've then done is created three black holes in your lineup before any what-ifs hit or don't hit. What I mean by that is if Whit Merrifield's in the outfield, then that means Nicky Lopez is at second base. And I love the guy. I am rooting for Nicky Lopez. I am the biggest Nicky Lopez stan But the fact of the matter is right now he's not a major league hitter. So you have a non-major league hitter at second base. You have a non-major league hitter. In fact, the worst hitter in baseball in center field, Michael A. Taylor. And then you have a streaky hitter. That's never really proven anything outside of the last month of every season he's played in. Halberto Mondesi, who is nothing at the plate until that last month. Maybe this is the year he turns it around and puts it all together. Maybe it's not, but you have to be cautious of, of, of Mondesi as well. And then you have those three black holes, and then you start to worry about the what-ifs. What if you know Soler does not turn it around? What if Carlos Santana does not have a bounce back? And quickly, this lineup that was fun and competitive has now a disaster situation. And even if you just say, okay, you know what? Let's not go for disaster. Let's also not go for the most optimistic possible, because I can make a case for this for this lineup being extremely well and being an extremely good lineup. Let's not do that either. Let's just play it right down the middle. Let's play it right down the middle and just try to level off expectations and level off hype, and just see what would happen if everyone just averaged out and was an average ball player. So if Mondesi plays to his average and Santana and Soler play to their average, from there you have two definite black holes in. Lopez and in Taylor, if you can take one of those away, that's a big deal. Because to move Whit Merrifield down to second base, you not only take out Nicky Lopez at the plate, but you have to insert another outfielder. And at that point, it would be Edward Livieras, who was phenomenal and one of your best hitters last year. Whenever he got acquired by Kansas City, he was great. And I love that guy. I think that he can be something special in Kansas City. So you're going to plug him in there. Or Kyle Lisbell, clearly, we went down the list earlier. So that opens up so much more for your lineup if you put Whitmerfield at second base. So to maximize your lineup to try to win, to me, Whitmerfield has to play second base. So that's where I would put him the most if I want to try to win. Uh, but second base, left field, it'll be the same type of thing as last year. But maybe you don't agree. Maybe you would not play Whitmerfield at second base. Let me know where you would play Whitmerfield on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles or on Twitter at LockedOnRoyals. That concludes today's episode of Locked On Royal. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Be good and be good to one another.